0: Welcome to the Get Writing podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors. And I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series. But it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're going to talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? host Liz McGavro and I'm so happy you came back. I'm here today with an author named Steph Katsovi and Steph found her way to the writing life after a long career as a corporate communications consultant. Hold on, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's wild how many writers I meet who are coming to writing or coming back to writing after turning away from their calling and going after more realistic lives. Look, I've done it for years. A lot of writers I know have the same story. I call it plan b our lives. And if we're lucky, we find our way to the place we've always known we should be, like I did, like Steph did. But for those who aren't so lucky, they never find a way to their calling. And I think this is such a tragedy. Actually, I think I need to do an episode on this because it's a really important topic. But back to Steph. So she you know, knew in the third grade that she wanted to be a writer, but then she ended up getting a law degree and then going into communications. And then eventually she pivoted and found her way back to writing. And she's now a children's book author, spreading positive messages to kids, mostly tweens, who need that boost of self-confidence. Here's a little more about her. In third grade, Steph Ketsovi announced that she was going to be an author when she grew up. Realizing that she might want to explore other career options first, Steph got her bachelor's degree from Binghamton University before attending Brooklyn Law School. Although she aced the legal writing classes and wrote amazing outlines for exams, she knew her calling was not as a practicing attorney. After graduating, she shelved her law degree and two-bar admissions to become a professional writer. She spent the bulk of her 15-plus year career at Deloitte as a speechwriter and strategic communications consultant. When the opportunity arose to raise her kids and focus more fully on creative writing, she decided it was time to take her When I Grow Up essay from third grade a bit more seriously. Today, if she's not busy writing at her desk in New York City, she is a sports and exercise enthusiast. She plays guitar and piano with her kids, and she loves to read poolside. So This is a really fun conversation. We talk about a lot of things, writing, our love for it, our processes, what success means, and so much more. But what I really want you to focus on is how she talks about coming to the realization that she needed to really fulfill her dream. And, you know, for those of us who've gone into careers where we are writing We can kind of say, oh yeah, I'm still doing writing as my career, but it's not the actual type of writing that we want to do. And so really we're just fooling ourselves. So with that in mind, I hope that you enjoy this episode and come away with a renewed sense of fulfilling your creative dreams. Enjoy. Hi, Steph. Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. It's so great to be here and I'm delighted to speak with you today. Yeah, we're going to have fun. (laughs) So... So tell us about yourself and your your writing and your books and all of that.
1: Um, well, there's like a million ways I could start uh, answering that. But I would say that my background is uh, I have a background in corporate communications uh, with a training in law school that I can't say that I ever really used other than it gave me a lot of grit and determination to go through challenging situations. Uh, but I spent... Fifteen plus years in consulting, doing just about anything that could be written in business communications. I ended up working with an amazing executive, uh, writing his speeches and correspondences. And around the time that he was about to retire, he was, um, you know, asking me what I wanted to do next. And it crossed my mind: I had two little kids at home. That, you know, the thing I've always wanted to do in my life has been to write a book, and. I don't know if it was the circumstances of his retirement and my desire to be home with my kids a little bit more and do something that i've been passionate about and dreaming about since i was eight years old but when he retired i decided it was a good time for me to to quote unquote retire as well and so uh it was a tough decision to leave the corporate environment but it was amazing scary leap and uh you know Several years later, much longer than i had hoped, I finished my first book, Her Camp*, and now I'm looking at my second book coming out in April of this coming year. That's awesome. So it's, it's funny to me because we
0: talked a little bit about this before we hit record, but, um, I'm also, you know, a former corporate, well, I'm not actually former. I'm still kind of one foot in the corporate communications world. And I just think mm-hmm. it's interesting. I talk to so many writers, you know, people that I know people that I've just met and we all have such a round of, I won't say all, but 99% of us have a roundabout way of getting to the actual writing of the books that we've always wanted to do. And we've gone the way of these other careers. A lot of them are in, you know, corporate comms, that kind of thing, because we're mm-hmm. you know, taught to pursue a realistic career so
1: that's right is that is that why you went that route a hundred percent I remember when I was in college and I was thinking about what I wanted to major in and I started first with pre-law because that's very practical and I did a really convoluted uh, major called philosophy law and politics and that just basically was pre-law but um, my parents were like you should do whatever you want to do in life, but just be able to support yourself. And so I was like, that's a good message, but I don't really love the law stuff that much. So I'm going to just throw in an English major because I love literature. I love writing. I love reading. And so I ended up double majoring and I was so glad that I did because obviously the things that you love, you do better. And I was a rock star in my English classes and I did okay for the pre-law stuff, but You know, I knew at the time going into college and then ultimately in law school, I couldn't go right from school to full-fledged writer. It just didn't seem practical. And I really didn't think I could support myself, you know, even if I lived on a ketchup and bread sandwich, you know, for meals each day. So I'm really glad ultimately that I took the path that I did because being a professional writer gives you a very good sense of the world. It gives you a a sense of how people interact in offices and businesses. And it also gives you fodder for great stories. Like the characters that I have in my stories are often based on people I've met in real life. And, you know, just having those experiences and that training with the balance of the corporate professional world and the creative writing world has just been... An amazing benefit to me as a writer, and it really helped me kind of grow and mature and figure things out as I went along. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because all the
0: murder victims in my books are usually people I've met along the way in corporate careers.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> I hope you changed the details sufficiently. Well, some, some of them I did. Some of them have been pretty. Uh... <laughs> Don't go back to your resume.
2: <laughs>
0: I do write under a pen name, so that. There is that but uh, it wouldn't be hard to figure out (laughs) so you don't regret kind of not jumping right into to writing because I remember reading on your one of your profiles that you I think you said in third grade you knew you wanted to be an author
1: I did yeah I had an essay that when I want what do you want to be when you grow up and I wrote almost to the day uh when I wrote it it's exactly how I felt since then I actually keep it framed in my desk. And I have, uh, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an author of books. And I want most of my books to be published with what I wrote. And I don't think I'll get lots of money. But I like writing stories. And, you know, maybe I'll when I get older, I'll change my mind. But that's what I want to be. And so it's kind of funny that I knew that when I was little. Yeah. And my goal really was just to be creative. And, you know, as I got older, I was able to articulate why I really wanted to write. And, you know, my goal in writing is to promote positive values, confidence, and kindness. And I borrowed from Mahatma Gandhi, who said, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. And so Mm. for me, why I write is that I want to inspire kids to be their best selves. And, you know, even though I didn't have the language when I was in third grade, you know, now that I'm a little past third grade, I kind of understand what propelled me and And I'm glad that I hung with it all those years, just, you know, eventually making my way back to where I wanted to be.
0: Did you always want to do children's books or did you not know until you started writing?
1: I think uh, when I first started writing, I thought about what the audience would be that I'd want to reach. And, you know, I thought more about where is my brain. And I realized that I'm basically a 13 year old trapped in an older person's body. So you know, I write to my younger self. I think, in a way, and as of now, I, I don't. I can't see writing for any other age group or, or audience. But you know, you never know. Um, but I'm hoping that I can write several more books for this age group because I, I don't think I've run out of things to say just yet. But. Who knows? Maybe I'll go to murder mysteries next with cats. <laughs> I hope you. Been- I love the play on words. I love the play on words of your titles. I, I'm a sucker for a good pun. <laughs> I hope you've been keeping a list of those
0: people in your corporate life that made you mad. No.
1: <laughs> no, I I worked with a lot of really great people. Yeah. It was just a lot of work. I think that was that was the main key of you can't really write and work full time and raise kids and be present in life in other ways. Yeah. at least the way I want. It to be. I I think there are far more talented people that can pull that off, but I did not have that. And so, yeah, here we are. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, it's true. I think that's why so many writers um, might give up, right? Because, like, I've been doing writing as a quote, side hustle for my entire life. You know, I grew up like you, I knew Mm -hmm. from very early on that I wanted to be a writer. Um, I had a similar essay where I talked about how I was going to be a New York times bestseller and people were going to be lining up to, you know, get my books and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but my parents were like, Oh, that's, that's nice, but you need a plan B. And you know, they, they thought I should be a teacher, which I never wanted to be like a classroom teacher. I'm kind of a teacher in a different Mm -hmm. way nowadays, but, um, I didn't want to do that, but I still kind of fed into that, mindset of like, Oh, I need to go find another job. So I ended up in journalism. I ended up in marketing and communications. And I don't, you know, I, I did have like you, a lot of amazing experiences and, um, I'm grateful for it. But on the other hand, I do wonder what my mm-hmm. career path might've looked like if I had just gone all in for the writing. And I think some people do kind of, you know, they get, they get the job, they get the family and then they're like, I don't have time to write anymore. And I think that's a loss yeah. for the, for the arts. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, great work can be written at four in the morning or at, at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. I am a person that can't get started until, you know, I've had breakfast, I've exercised, I dropped my kids off at school. And then I'm like, all right, now it's time to sit down. And then at the end of the day, I'm way too tired to do anything else. But, you know, I always have applauded people that are able to to do that where you really set aside time wherever you can find it to work on your craft to work on whatever piece has inspired you to be living those crazy hours and yeah I think the world could be a really fascinating place if if there were more more hours in the day yeah I think we could all use that for sure (laughs) so children's books talk to me about the
0: process of writing because I've never I've thought about writing children's books I've had a lot of animals in my life I've done a lot of animal rescue I always thought it would be really fun to write like a children's series about some of my cats but I have Mm -hmm. I don't have the faintest clue of how to go about it so what was
1: your learning process like how did you kind of figure out how to do it um, well, you know, a true consultant, I think, to my core, I decided before I even started writing, I would read books about writing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't even tell you how many books I've read uh, about writing, writing for children, um, just being a, a more creative person. I, you know, I did some general author's way, like writing exercises, journaling. And so, once I felt like I had exhausted the research aspect, I had an idea in my head for a book that I'd been wanting to write since I was a kid. And, you know, funny thing for me, like I learn as I go with things that I'm not sure how to do. Even though I had read all these books, there's no substitute for actually doing the work, doing the writing. And for me, I wrote this book that I thought was fantastic and amazing. And I sent it to an editor that I'd been connected to and, you know, I was waiting, waiting, waiting for her to get back to me. And she said, you know, very nicely, you have an amazing writer's voice and I think you have some really good ideas, but the plot in this book is a bit slow and you're going to basically need to rewrite the whole book if you want this to go anywhere. And so I took her words to heart. I think, you know, you think you've done your best work until you take a pause and you realize i probably could do this better so i ended up putting the very first book that i'd written in a drawer and i haven't pulled it out since i may go back to it someday but then i said all right it's too much work to rewrite it because it's far too close to my heart that i just can't be you know subjective on what i need or objective i should say on what i need to change i'm too subjective in thinking this is a great story Um, so after that, I went back to the drawing board and just outlined the heck out of a story that I thought would be more interesting and more engaging. It also helped that my kids were just about the middle grade audience. So I had pretty good insight into how children, you know, spoke and things that were interesting to them, things that made them laugh. Of course, I have two boys and things that make them laugh maybe are not things that make others laugh, but, um, it was a really fun scary process writing hurricamp my first book and having gotten that out and uh really good reception from people i went to work on my second book called miscommunicamp there's a theme there Mm -hmm. and i found that to be so much easier to write because i'd failed once uh got something done accomplished what i wanted to accomplish and then i realized sort of through trial and error how to write a really fast-moving plot with humor and key messages and important themes that adolescents face. And and I'm really excited. Uh, And I I now, like, I can't wait to get this book out the door and then start working on my third and, and seeing where that takes me. That's awesome. I I will say
0: you said your first one was a failure. I think we all have those first books that are in a drawer somewhere, right? And they taught us something, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, my first novel I wrote was my thesis for grad school. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even a mystery because I didn't know yet that I sh- should be writing mysteries because that's, you know, I hadn't really put two and two together. That's what I loved yet. Um, but the book was bad you know it doesn't it doesn't belong anywhere i think it's sitting in the school library at emerson college somewhere and i really hope no one ever takes it out um but we learned right like i remember my teacher yeah. saying to me my thesis advisor saying uh you wrote a novel like yeah. right so
1: mine was like a european art house story because it was so much detail on the characters backstories and then when the the plot starts to get moving, you're like, wow, we're already 150 (laughs) pages in and it's a children's book and it's a little bit lengthy. Um, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. It, It was a good learning experience. I think for the main lesson that I learned, it taught me that I can sit down and write. I think, you know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you sit down at for me, a computer and you've got this blank screen looking at you and there's nobody saying you need to get it done by a certain date, or there is somebody telling you you need to get it done by a certain date. It's really very scary, yeah. um, and just trying to get the words that you want to say on a page from your brain, and you know, summoning that creative creativity, is you know, not something that every person has the courage and strength to do. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Even though the book that I will probably never share is out there, you know, it, it did teach me an important lesson of just pushing on and, you know, the only way out is through.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't get easier. I mean, I'm like 20 books in and it's not, it's still like the book I'm writing now. It's a slog. It is a slog some days. Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's true. Like some (laughs) days are better than others. Some days you're more inspired. Um, For me, it was, I had time when my kids were away at camp that I could, focus and not have to worry about who's got to eat dinner. I mean, that's kind of a big practical limiting factor, but I was, And I was so surprised at how prolific I was just in that short span of time. And perhaps I should just create, you know, other strange deadlines for myself in the future. (laughs) Because it really propelled me to be more uh, creative and and more disciplined in my writing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's saying, I don't remember the exact saying, but it's something to the effect of, you know, your, the work expands to fit the time you give yourself or something. I'm totally butchering that, but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the longer you give yourself, the more time you're going to take to do something. So yeah. yeah. I think that's why like as a journalist, um, I, I am grateful for that experience because I learned how to be succinct. I learned how to, you know, write short. I learned how to get to the point. Um, I learned how to mm-hmm. make a deadline. Um, yeah. and that's definitely has helped me in many areas of my life, not even just my other writing, but I think the skills you learn in journalism are very life-changing. So,
1: yeah. I actually took a journalism class in college. There was a moment in time that I thought I would do broadcast journalism because I think I'd seen the movie and it seemed like a really interesting class. And then I realized, I don't think that's for me. The deadline is a little too aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. I remember, you know, um, writing three or four
0: stories a day and you had to like be all over the place because you didn't want to get scooped. I mean, that was, you
1: know, that was like the worst thing ever if the other paper scooped you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But ultimately I ended up having an internship at a radio station, which that was my nod to journalism and, you know, media. Yeah. It was a really fun job, but, uh, you know, I was kind of behind the scenes for the most part. But one day they put me on air because the regular disc jockeys for it was the AM station had two people call in sick. And so I got thrown on the air and I had a very brief but illustrious radio career. Nice. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. So what's the average length of your of your books? Uh, it's probably I'd say uh 140 to 170 pages i want to think it's probably around 15 or so chapters but i know from reading it out loud it takes about two and a half hours to read it not in one sitting with children but you know if a grown-up were to to sit there and binge read it it probably would be around that time
0: And the age target is teens, early teens, or mid, mid-teens?
1: Tweens. Eight to 12 okay. is the target range. Um, but I think the stories that I write are, are pretty PG, so mm-hmm. it's a great read aloud for a younger child uh, that likes funny, humorous things. And, you know, a kid at heart also is welcome to read uh, or be read to. I think, you know, my goal is to write stories that appeal to people in broad age ranges and You know, the things I write about are common themes, often adolescent, but you know, I've learned that as you get older, the same themes that you've experienced as children often repeat themselves in different forms when you become an adult. So, you know, I hope to have that universal appeal in the things that I write.
2: Yeah. Hi, this is Julian, the producer for the Get Writing Podcast. Zencaster is an extremely important part of our workflow on this show. Podcasting has you working with a wide range of people who all have different computer and office setups, different levels of comfort with technology, and different levels of time and patience. Zencaster takes this big logistical headache and makes it utterly trivial. No more grappling with recording software, waiting for files to be delivered, losing files, none of that. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you've ever thought about podcasting and thought that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform. You can create your show all in one place and then distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and all the other major destinations. Go to Zencastr.com pricing and use our code writing. And you'll get thirty percent off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.
0: So what are some of those themes that you because you mentioned that your your first two books have theme have a similar theme? So what is the what is the yeah. message you want to get across the most?
1: Um well I think as, as a kid, you have friendships are kind of your driving force in life, uh, growing up, appreciating the changes that you're going through just as a person, you know, the challenges of being resilient, facing things that you may not feel confident that you have the skills to overcome. Uh, in my first book, The main character goes to sleepaway camp and is horribly homesick, but Mm -hmm. she learns that she has the inner courage to find happiness, make friends, and ultimately have an amazing experience. And so for me, I think adolescence is such an important time in children's lives. If you think about it, you know, it's a relatively short period. It's like zero to 18 years. And then if you're lucky to live into your seventies or longer, you've got like 50 years as an adult, but you know if you can make a positive impact as a writer on someone you know during that brief period it can set the stage for who they are the identity that they form and the kind of person that they ultimately become in those years mm. so i love that do you find yourself i know you have two boys but do
0: you but as a girl obviously growing up and you know we mm-hmm. hear all kinds of messages that boys might not hear. Um, do you find yourself kind of leaning more towards the empowering girls or is it more across the board?
1: I think I would imagine that the audience is probably more the traditional quote unquote girl to read my book because I do write about themes of empowerment. But, you know, I think that that applies to just about anybody that's searching for confidence. Um, and I will say as a kid, I you know, I don't know if the term is correct anymore, but I was a I was a girl that loved sports. So I would say I was a tomboy. And so I didn't really fit into a category of typical girl, you know, as a kid. And so I think I write a lot of characters that have interests that aren't just, you know, what you would say is. And the stereotype is not the word I would use because I think that has a negative connotation, but I would say untraditional characters and interests um, because I think there is no single character type for anybody in the world. We all are who we are and that makes us special and unique. And so, you know, the more you can paint the picture that that's a great place to be, a great, you know, that's great to be who you are because there's only one of you. Why would you want to be like anybody else? Right. For sure. And there's so much more
0: acceptance of those, you know, the less linear definitions of boys and girls and the lines that, you know, used to get drawn when we were kids. And it's so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: amazing to see that. And, and, you know, to see that kids in most places, unfortunately not in all of the U S but in most places are are able to get the message that they can be who they are.
1: Yeah. And I think it is a a different world than, you know, a long time ago when I was a kid, there was like magazines, like, you know, for teenagers and they had very specific things that they featured. And if you didn't like pink, like I didn't like pink as a child, if you didn't like pink, then like half the clothes that were sold in the stores, you're out of luck. So, you know, that's why I think I liked sports shirts because it didn't really matter. know what color they were i just like numbers and i like sports and that was good enough for me (laughs) yeah
0: I know I didn't like sports, but I wasn't also like pink a pink girl either. So I was kind of mm-hmm. I was just kind of the nerd who just wanted to read books all the time, and they didn't. But yeah, nobody knew what to do with me. So,
1: <laughs> well, even worse for not liking pink, I was growing up in the age of fluorescent, so it yeah. was like fluorescent pink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did kind of like the neon, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it now. I really like bright colors now, yeah. but at the time I was very turned off. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was equally happy, you know, playing sports as I was in the library. So, you know, I probably would have been friends with you when I wasn't playing kickball or soccer. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: what's your, so I know you write when your kids are at school, what's your process? Do you have like, uh, you know, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm losing my words today. Do you have like a, uh, something you do to get in the mood of writing or like, do you just kind of sit down and write? How do you approach it?
1: I think in my mind, I'm a very schedule-oriented person. So when I set my mind schedule, I don't always write it down. But when I set the schedule in my mind, I'm like, okay, you have this amount of time. You have 4,000 other things you need to do. And I, for me, I really like to just sit down and be focused for as many hours as I can. Uh, it doesn't always happen. But I think just setting that, that stage in your mind for this is what you're going mm-hmm. to do. And I expect for myself, because I'm accountable to me, I want to get it done. And you know, I always have this imaginary critic in my head that asks, What did you do today? And so as long as I can give an answer that I'm proud of, I will feel like I've accomplished my objectives. And so as long as I could say, like, oh, I wrote so I don't I don't always count pages, but I spent the day writing, I spent, you know, the day planning, I did this and that. And then I can add in and here's, here's dinner. <laughs> yeah. <How> do, <laughs> We're here are <at> clean clothes.
0: <laughs> how do you define success for yourself when you're, you know, kind of going through writing a first draft? I know. Cause we all struggle with this inner critic. We all, I, yeah. I mean, I know for sure when it comes to my work, like I'm always, I'm one of those people who's like, Oh, I could have done more today. Even if I spent, you know,
1: five hours yeah, working on the always. book,
0: it's like, well, why didn't you spend six? So how do you define yeah. success for yourself on different days?
1: Um, I think, you know, I have an idea of how long I want to take to write a book. Now that I've done it twice, I get a sense of like, I know how long I should be spending outlining. I Once I feel like I've exhausted the outlining, then I feel like, all right, I've got a solid core for what I need to write. So the writing part should not be such a struggle. It's really about focus and motivation if I'm having trouble on a certain day. So I think as long as I feel like I've check the box on my outline and I've mapped something that I've wanted to put on there or it's going back and revising like I try not to set too many very specific markers of like page numbers or word count because Mm -hmm. you could put a lot of words down but they may be terrible and then the next day you go back and you have to redo the whole thing so I'm more of like a if you can write this book in six weeks then that is a success but You know, on the other hand, if you could write the book in six weeks and it's amazing, that would be an even better milestone to reach. So, yeah, it's hard. And I often give myself a lot of free passes like, oh, you didn't feel well today. So (laughs) tomorrow will definitely be a better day or you had too much going on. So Um, but it's being honest. I think ultimately being honest and being realistic and, you know, making the goals that you set, you know, reasonable and attainable and then achieving them. And I think then you could say it's a success when you've got a finished product. Mm. So it sounds like you're a plotter. Yes, for sure. (laughs) A planner everywhere. (laughs) So that came easily to you? Uh, I think I sit a lot and think about what I want the story to be before I write it down. Um, I use exercise actually as one Mm. of my tools. Like I like to run and running is sort of meditation and thinking and so i will come up with a kernel of what i want to have in my story or a character or you know just something a funny scene and i'll sit there as i run and like just meditate on what it is that i want to write down when i get home and i sort of build on that and then i just ruminate everywhere i go like i will walk down the street and i will be in a daze just like oh imagining this song or you know Mm -hmm. sometimes i even go and think about what would the soundtrack be if this was a movie And I just think it's all part of the creative process where you sort of just like marinating and stewing your ideas. And then ultimately, when it, for me, when I want to really focus and write stuff down, it's hopefully a lot of jumbled stuff in my head that I can then sort out and organize and cut and add. And then the final product is the book that hopefully wasn't so much of a stretch from the outline. Mm.
0: I love that uh, soundtrack idea. Like I've played around with theme songs for my characters before, but I've never uh-huh. I've never thought of what the book soundtrack would be like. I'm gonna have to steal that.
1: <laughs> it's really actually very hard to do <laughs> because like each scene is different, each mood is different. Sometimes it's just like, okay, stick with one specific artist and then make a soundtrack from that. Mm-hmm. But you know, making a playlist for a, a book is hard that's that's (laughs) almost a hard idea, though that's a very cool idea
0: so do you plot like every like I I have a love-hate relationship with plotting like I never did it until I realized like I had to start doing it or I just wasn't going to make any of my deadlines so um now I'm kind of a half plotter half pantser Mm -hmm. and but I have friends (laughs) who are (laughs) I have friends who are so good at it that like they don't start a book until they've plotted out every single scene are you like that
1: Uh, I think I'm more towards the plotter than the not plotter. I use, I think it's called like the snowflake method where you start small. Like I write a paragraph of what I want the main theme of the book to be. And then I start expanding, expanding, expanding. And then soon it's like a five page outline and I do like a character synopsis. And so, that's how I get my backstory that's going to be 150 pages out of the way by putting it in my outline so that I know it's there, but the reader doesn't need to know everything is there. And, you know, I, then I think about each chapter, each scene, I always love putting in something like the foreshadow where it's going to come up later, but it's so subtle that only the, the most careful reader will notice it. And, you know, just having that plan of how do you see the book starting? What's, you know, the big action scenes, um, what's the, you know, crescendo and then how do you bring them back down to resolution? And, and I think that's actually a, it's a fun process, but I think actually hitting the the last word and save button is probably one of the greatest feelings on earth. Mm.
0: And you make sure, as we talked about before, that you're saving in multiple places, especially during your retrograde. Right. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Which it is at the time of this recording. So that's a reminder to everybody. <laughs> Always hit save and do it in multiple places. Yes, for sure. So do you read reviews of your books?
1: I do. But, you know, I find that not everyone's going to love your work and, you know, you have to just be proud of what you've written. Usually I, I'm I'm happy to see that the people that write reviews, they've been overwhelmingly positive. There was one person that blogged for my first book and commented that there was a spelling error in the book. And I was like, okay, if that's what your focus is going to be, then maybe I discount your opinion of, of the work and you know, you're not looking to be supportive and finding positives in the world. You're looking to maybe just, you know, make yourself feel better about something. But, you know, I think putting positivity out in the world is something that we absolutely need more of. And while reviews are definitely not intended to be, uh, you know, sugar-coated, wonderful puff pieces, because I think it is good to have a critical eye towards uh, literature, you know, everything should be taken with a grain of salt because, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's interests are different people that liked one thing might not like another. And, you know, again, just going back to being proud of what you do, putting your best work out there for the world to see and and hope that more, more often than not, people enjoy what you write and, uh, you know, tell a friend.
0: Yeah. It's funny. One of my, my very first book, my first published book um, was a, It's a mystery that focused on a woman who ended up being. She was a corporate communications person. She ended up being a gourmet pet food chef through all these things that happened. Yeah, and the uh, the contract included recipes, which I didn't really give a lot of thought to. I was just so excited to have a contract and three books to write, Mm -hmm. and you know, and the night before I turned this book in, I was like, oh shoot, I don't have recipes, so I had to scramble. Anyway, long story short, one of the reviews for that book. Um, the person did not review the book or the writing at all, but just told me that the cookies stuck to the cookie sheet.
1: <laughs> I you know what? I feel like that, that's a positive review then if that's, that's the takeaway. <laughs> and I was
0: just like, I wanted to write back and be like, but did you like the book? <laughs> <laughs> you may have focused on the wrong
1: yeah. <laughs> element of this work
0: <laughs> which would me something about you know cozy mysteries that have recipes in them I didn't really I'm not a big cook anyway but so it's a long story of how I ended up with a contract to provide recipes but um I didn't really think people paid that much attention to them but I was very wrong and I had to learn that right off the bat so yeah But details matter. (laughs) But is there any reviews or feedback that stands out to you that you've gotten so far that made you feel like, oh, this is why I'm doing this?
1: You know, I think the best feedback I ever got was um, last year. My son was in English class and uh, it might have been last year or the year before, but one of the the girls in his class did a book review on the summer book that she read. And it was my book, Horror Mm -hmm. Camp and she said this was the best book i've ever written i love camp and but i totally got why the main character was homesick and i was so glad that she got over it because it was a really good story and she gave this whole book report and someone said hey isn't that your mom's book and my son was like oh yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, hearing from people that are in my life, but, you know, it's, my mom would give me a great review, but having someone that, that read the book, that was someone I wanted to speak to like a kid and giving the messages to her and she received them and did it in a book report. I was just blown away that, you know, words can have impact. And then the feedback loop Mm. telling me, this was just, it was amazing. I was walking on cloud nine for quite some time the worst part is my son forgot to tell me that this happened in school and I found out through a friend that you know it was one of her daughter's friends that said guess who did a book report on your book oh funny
0: that's funny. <laughs> I know he's supposed to be your PR agent and he's not doing a good job I know
1: I know <laughs> he will have to work on a second book he'll have to do a little bit more yeah oh that's great though
0: congratulations Um, Thank you. How do you, so I talk a lot about mindset when I'm talking to, you know, newer writers and, and people who are trying to get books written. And I feel like mindset is, you know, one of the most important things writers can have. So how do you keep yourself in a good place, even when things might be collapsing around you, or you just don't feel motivated? Like how, how, what's, what are your favorite mindset practices to keep writing?
1: I think for me, the one that carries me through because, you know, I would imagine most writers are nervous and anxious that their work will not be received well, or that people will think they're a fraud, you know, that validation component looms large whenever you write and you're worried about, you know, can I get this to the place that I want it to be? But for me, I keep going back to, you know, what we talked about earlier, the when I grow up essay, Mm -hmm. like this was what I said I wanted to do when I was little. And it hadn't changed like I keep going back to this is what I love this is my passion this is what excites me this is kind of what I think is one of the main reasons that I do what I do it's like this gives me joy and so keeping that in mind even if like the words don't come out great one day but like this is what makes me happy and reminding myself and just keeping at it that this is the, the end goal is to do what you love and so you know, I'm so fortunate that I have the opportunity to do what I love, that I just am grateful that I can sit down and do what I do and have the life that I have. And for me, there's no greater motivation than just knowing that. And so I guess that's what keeps me going.
0: I love that. Steph, tell people where they can
1: find you and your books. You can find me on www.stephkatzovi, S-T-E-P-H-K-A-T-Z-O-V-I. .com and on lots of major platforms like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um Walmart, Target, probably Google will be a good friend if <laughs> if you type in my name, but um this was just a really fabulous opportunity and I'm so glad that I got the chance to speak with you. Thank you so much for being here. This is great. Thank you. So there you have it friends,
0: a real story of someone who pivoted her life to pursue her lifelong dream. If you've been dreaming about your creative life lately, this is your sign to take that next step. Decide today to do it because we certainly aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So I'd love to hear what your takeaway is from this episode. If it was that, or if it was something else, something about process, we definitely talked a lot about motivation, inspiration, all of those things that writers need to think about on a daily basis. I'd love to hear what resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know, or hop over to cakeconti.com and send me a message. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, leave it a review or rating if you enjoyed it, that would be amazing. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.